Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Imprint Companion. That is right, Australia's beautiful boutique Blu-ray label, Imprint Films, has a companion show where we unbox, unpack, and really strip the living daylights out of all of each month's brand new releases. I am one half of your pair of Russian surveyors uh, going around the wilderness <laughs> to be led around by Akira Kurosawa's Dursu. Blake Howard joining me is one half, taking taking one of his partnerships, splitting it apart temporarily, one half of Finding <laughs> Jesus, one half of Total Reboot. On this show, he's the other half, the perfect pairing to my obsessive physical media head. It's Alexi Toliopoulos. Hello, my brother. How are you? Blake, hello, my brother. I am well. How are you? I am very good. I'm so glad that when people are listening to this, people are frothing mm-hmm. or freaking out about recent awful takes about Martin Scorsese just as mm-hmm. there is a wonderful, spectacular, and absolutely just batshit <laughs> impression that you're doing of Martin Scorsese on the Auntie Donna podcast as well. So it's, it's, yeah. it feels like a great convergence here where we're talking about cinema we're talking about mm-hmm. discs, and we're talking about being cinephiles, and people are uh, just going insane yeah. online again. I reckon that was one of the most possessed moments of my <laughs> life, where the soul of Martin Scorsese entered my body, and he spoke through me as if I were a vessel, and I have not felt the same since. Guillermo yeah. del Toro just tweeted that if Martin Scorsese was dying and he could take his own life to extend his, he would. And I feel like that's the possession that you're talking mm. about. It just happens to the best Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. And now <laughs> it is in God's hands. It's God's decision <laughs> that request put out there in the world. Oh, so good. So we have a pretty stacked batch. Again, it's kind of impossible to say not. A September batch um, that we've been pouring mm-hmm. through. We're going to split the chats into two. So this is the first episode of our September batch. This episode, um, we're covering five out of the six flicks in the batch. We're going to be talking Lolita, Barfly, Dersu El Zala, and The Road Home in the first batch. And then in our second batch, we're only doing one film, which is Blue Chips, starring Nick Nolte and Shaq. But we have an awesome conversation coming up with Bilga Iberia about that one. But I might kick things off proceedings. Let's listen to a trailer for Adrian Lyons' Lolita. Monsieur Humbert. Mrs. Hayes. Frank McCoo told me all about your scholarly pursuits. Beautiful. She'll do anything you say. She's getting a thing about you. A little low goes straight from camp to a good boarding school with strict discipline and some sound religious training. Why do you think I don't care about you? Well, you haven't kissed me yet, have you? You're a monster. You're a despicable criminal monster. Respectable school teacher Humbert Humbert marries his landlady so that he can get closer to her young daughter, Lolita, with whom he is madly in love. Humbert's unfulfilled desire for the girl brings him to the edge of insanity and threatens to destroy the object of his obsession. Blake, I didn't get a chance to catch up with this one, and I'm going to admit something quite huge. I've had no interaction with any version of Lolita ever in my life. Book, 
this version, the Kubrick film, I've never seen it. So I would love you to unleash upon me your thoughts on this film and this Blu-ray release from Imprint. So there is one other, there's one experience I've had where I've enjoyed Lolita as a text. It's actually Jeremy Irons, who's the star of this movie, um, mm-hmm. narrating the original Nabokov novel. So it's you sort of get in that headspace. It, he's got that gorgeous caramel uh, mm. voice that you can just listen to over and over again, that great accented thing. But Adrian Lyne, this is a film that, you know, if anyone has seen many of his erotic thrillers, he has a tremendous lineup of them in his entire career. I mean, we could, we could go through some of them just now, but you're talking about, um, you're talking about films um, most recently, uh, Affleck, uh, and, um, the yeah. Affleck film, Deep Water, Jacob's Ladder, Flashdance, he did, he did Indecent Proposal, mm-hmm. which is more along these lines, Fatal Attraction. I love all these movies, by Unfaithful. The way. I love every single one. Nine and a half I weeks. I love Unfaithful. Oh, my Unf- gosh. Unfa- Unfaithful rocks. Um, so when he did Lolita in 97, it really feels like him being a provocateur. He's taking a text mm. and he's going, here is this... He is an already inflammatory text and I'm going to update it. I'm going to make it even more salacious. I'm going to make it even more mm. arousing and titillating. And I'm going to cast actors, um, especially particularly um, in the young actor. I'm going to cast a young actor um, who is Dominique Swain. I'm going to cast her at 17. She's not going to be 14. It's not going to be disgusting and perverse. I'm going mm. to bring it right to this line where even though the character is meant to be young, I'm going to dress her like a schoolgirl, and I'm really going to play at, I guess, the perversion. Humbert Humbert, Jeremy Irons' character, is a guy who tries to make himself feel sympathetic because he had a lost love at 14, and since then he's been chasing mm. the dragon of his one first love. And so the the film really leans into that. And look, in a post-Epstein world, this curio of a film is a, is a, it's a tough hang. It's it, partially mm. because... This was so outrageous and outlandish that this could happen in an isolated incident. And I guess like the barrage of, you know, uh, the media of the last decade, um, it's not unusual. This behavior, mm. <laughs> aberrant as it is, is not unusual. It's actually really common. Um, yeah. So it's not a fun hang. This is the least fun and probably least individually kind of exciting release in this thing just because of the content, not because of the filmmaking. Yeah. The style is good. The actors are good. The casting is particularly great. Melanie Griffith is cast as Charlotte Hayes, who Humbert marries at the beginning of the film and mm. is the mother of um, Dolores or Lolita, um, who's Dominic Swain's character. And what's amazing is that, you know, if, if you want to do some really sort of dark movie research, look at these young kid actors who came up in Hollywood and were overtly sexualized in the early parts of their career and at least kind of kept themselves together and so i think casting melanie griffiths was adrian Lyons' really very deft touch to say look this is a girl who is now a woman who has been overtly mm. sexualized for her entire career like let's bring her into the story and see if you know some of that osmosis translates but yeah it's not the finest hang lex i, I would i would recommend the jeremy irons narrated lolita book if you are uh, yeah. audio book if you ever want to get into it but it's a it, it, it lines a phenomenal filmmaker, but I just don't like the material that much. Mm. It's not, it's, it, it feels like the salaciousness is a little bit too chaste and a little bit too like forbidden. Yes. And it feels like the bombardment, um, 
if anyone's ever visited a very famous website, Pornhub.com. Um, it's mm. like all those stepbrother, stepsister videos that assault oh you. That <laughs> it's kind of like good lord, Blake. It's, it's like this salacious thing that's going out there for salacious sake, um, trying to be very contrary yes. and trying to be very provocative and. It's not. It's not my favorite hang of his. I would watch mm. a whole. I would, if you said top five, this wouldn't even be in the top ten uh, for me for him. Yeah. So look, as a release, it is fantastic. Cat Ellinger's video yeah. essay, which is called "The Seduction of Humbert Humbert: Adrian Lyons' American Beauty Lolita," mm. is terrific because I feel like whenever yes. we watch some of these films where the content or it doesn't quite you need land, that context, right? You need the context. And Cat Ellinger, one mm. of the best in the biz. Does a phenomenal job yeah. of contextualizing the the way that the novel is translated, and that the way that yeah. line really plays with the audience's expectations of what they're viewing, and he kind of puts the ownership on the audience, saying, "You know, you guys are looking at this as much more perverse than it really is." And I would argue that mm. he's just being a shitbag, and um, he's actually, yeah. um, it's a little from column A and a little from column B. Are we perverse? Yes, but is is he also a massive perv? The answer is yes. So uh, that is where we are, my friend. And I would say in that video essay, they actually revealed that the working name for Humbert Humbert was actually Hamana Hamana. <laughs> Hamana Hamana Hamana. So it's pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> Very good stuff. Very good stuff. Alexi, just as a warning and disclaimer, has never seen the film nor that essay. <laughs> so we are going to listen. We're going to jump complete we're going to jump to the other side of the world we're going to jump to a, in another century mm -hmm. essentially or or just outside um a close to a whole century away uh from a film that i i i don't know, really know how to describe it other than it was another akira kurosawa academy award-winning masterpiece take a listen to the film it was very hard to get a hold of until this brilliant imprint film's release let's mm. listen to the trailer for dosu ozala Не как ищете чего? Да, могилу. Да у нас еще и помереть никто не успел. Вон и кладбища-то нету. Все давно помирали. Теперь моя один остался. Капитан, наша скоро назад ходить. Моя мало-мало боится. На ханке недалеко, ну а там долго задерживаться не будет. Dersu, an eccentric Mongolian frontiersman, is taken on as a guide by a Russian surveying crew. While the soldiers at first perceive him as a naive and comical relic of an uncivilized age, Dersu quickly proves himself otherwise, becoming their unlikely savior. Lex, this is a this is such a beautiful little film. I'm so mm. this is one of a huge discovery for us, I think, and yes. anyone who listens to the show. Tell Absolutely. me what you thought of Dersu Ozala. Well, this was such a curio. When I saw this pop up in like what's coming out next from Imprint, I was like, what's this? What a, what an interesting title. What a great like uh, 
What a great cover it had as well. Yes. Can't wait to find out what this is. And then I examine it and it's an Akira Kurosawa film that I never knew existed, <laughs> let alone it's his only foray into a language other than Japanese for a film that he's made. And so this was just instantly a curiosity that I've had in my calendar since it was announced that I could not wait to get my hands on and chuck on. This is such a stunning film, and it is one of those rare epics that has an intimate, personal story at the heart of it. It is this group of explorers uh, from the Soviet Union that meet Dersu Uzala, the, the titular character, who is a nomadic person that lives in the forests um, of Siberia. And he is a survivalist out there, and he has all these like superstitions that are ingrained into his into his being, basically. And it is one of the most humane films I've ever seen, where you see like this person's life and their essence like unfold through this relationship and this extremely close bond that he forms with one of the explorers that become like a lifelong friendship. I think this is a movie of great beauty. A film of absolute great beauty, Blake. And I was quite stunned by it. The scope of it is unbelievable. There are some shots in this film that I absolutely took my breath away. And also, key to it all really for me is with these kind of grand exploration films or these kind of more solemn adventure films, I always feel like... It's very special when you see something that you've never seen before in them. And I think there were at least a few moments of that. Another film that I would probably compare this to very compare this to very favorably um, is a favorite film of you and mine, uh, which is the Australian film by Warwick Thornton, Sweet Country, where mm. we see like a salt flats uh, that kind of go beyond the horizon that you can't see. It's like this white, sandy salt flats. And that was a time where I saw an image in a film that I've never seen before in real life or on a film. And there are moments of this where we see Siberia depicted uh, that feels like, to me, Siberia has always felt like a place that was so off limits. Like I'd never really seen too much of it apart from in some films. And even then it would be like, you know, in a it's, gulag it's a, or something It's a like gulag, that. it's a prison. You, you just yeah. see an establishing shot of some like horrific Soviet architecture. But this is just mm -hmm. staggeringly beautiful. I mean, there's shots yeah. where there's like these vistas, these barren uh, tundras mm. rolling of like grasses, like there that, you know, in the summertime when, you know, the ice is gone, but mm. it's just like barren and ice and reflections and the light is absolutely phenomenal. And the, and the kind of mm. two big, the, the axis tilt of this movie happens. The first, um, encounter with Capitan and, uh, Dezu, cause that's what mm. he calls the captain. Um, yeah. th their first encounter is set in like the, the absolute biting cold. And then the next is in this, like, very steamy winter and so it's mm. it's kind of this beautiful uh contrast that happens in the movie um at the same time so it's it's yeah this is really special it, it felt to me lex i don't know like that for folks listening they might know like there's a really famous famous and then infamous documentary called Nanook of the North, where basically it was mm. a narrativized version of someone's life that people took to gospel. And it was ended up being used kind of like as a bit of a stereotypical propagandistic, you know, view of like natives and, and things like that. Mm. So it's a bit, it, it became in history, in the context of history, it hasn't really aged too well. Um, but I watched this and I was so taken with how 
beautiful and respectful it was for people's lives and how that these soldiers, even though they represented what we'd consider like a superpower and all conquering and, you know, things like that, when they come and they're faced with nature and their own lives, um, Dursu's existence is just like a divinity. Like he can just, the Mm. fact that he can live in harmony with nature is so beautiful. And yeah, I was just, this was like knock you out kind of stuff for me. It was, Mm. it was absolutely beautiful, beautiful. And I would say there was one thing uh, of the things I'd never seen before or kind of come to realize before often people will joke or think about how tigers they're meant to be like these stealthy creatures that are able to pounce but how can they be so stealthy if they're like bright orange this was the first time where i understood like the physiology of a tiger being (laughs) orange you go oh it makes sense because in in siberia the forests turn orange and it was kind of it was a kind of an unbelievable awakening moment for me to see that. Um, and of course, if anyone's going to come for me, yes, I know most creatures in the jungle are colorblind and that's why tigers can also get away with it. But this made sense because it's a time where tigers often interact with humans more in Siberia. It's a place where they interact with humans more. So it made sense for it to be orange in this moment, which is why I'm bringing it up because it was something I'd never think thought of before. Okay. So haters back the frick off. Lex, this was really special. This is totally like, I mean, we've got a couple of really smashing entries mm. in this batch. So I, it's probably, we're kind of, we're going to get up to like mounting batch worthiness, but this is a banger. Yes. If you want only want an individual one out of yeah. this, I, I would say we're going to come up to another one, which is, you know, tip for tap. But uh, I think this is mm-hmm. probably the, the pick of the batch for me so far. Yeah. I would agree with you, Blake. And I'd even go as far as to say, if you're casual, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a casual collector of imprint, you're not a every single disc in the batch person, but you love to collect films and you love film and you love film history. This is the one that I really highly recommend because it's been so rare for so long. It's amazing to see in high definition. And it just feels like an absolute curiosity that belongs in people's collections, especially if you've got other films like Kurosawa. This is the one to really treasure, I would say. Yeah, especially especially just pure language, pure language of cinema. It's a film that's mostly mm. spoken in Russian with subtitles. That doesn't matter. You know, if you know Kurosawa's stuff, you know how beautiful he can create moments of tension and this sort of, I guess, real-time adventure. And there's so many moments mm. like that that just flow as the time as time moves along and he captures it in just such a stunning way. It's really special. But we've also now, we've gone from like one of the greatest filmmakers of all time in Japan to arguably China's potentially one of the greatest filmmakers of yeah. all time. We've already talking about Zhang Yimou so much because of the terrific imprint collaborations box set with him and his muse Gong Li. But one of the rare ones that wasn't in that set, obviously because it wasn't starring Gong Li is a terrific film called the road home. Let's take a listen to the trailer and then we're going to come back and chat about it.
Upon the death of his father, city businessman Liu Yusheng returns to his home village to arrange the funeral. Liu's elderly mother is insistent that all of the traditional customs be observed, despite the reservations the village mayor has about the expense and practicalities of this. Her extreme obstent her extreme obstinacy in the matter causes Lo to think back to the childhood memories of the stories he had heard told of his parents' courtship, a romance that captured the attention of the entire village. In a flashback, their remarkable story of love and loyalty is told. Blake, you and I both watched this movie today, and mm. I saw you almost immediately posting to social media about how much this movie... Oh kind of floored you can you talk to me about your immediate reactions to this film it's it's such an achingly beautiful romance and i think some of the smallest stories and smallest and most intimately uh, like intimately told tales of like huge epic events in life like we always joke you know there's the four weddings in a funeral right and so mm. there's not and and the other another phrase that i, I I say a lot is like, you know, there's nothing like a funeral to bring a family together and seeing Lo who's done really well. Like he's a young man, he's a rural kid. He grows up, he's educated, he graduates, he leaves his hometown and his family just lived back in this local area. His dad's a school teacher for 40 years, teaching countless generations of these kids in the town. And he comes back and his father's unfortunately passed because he got caught in a snowstorm and it sort of, you know, exacerbated a heart disease that he already had. And just hearing, hearing the way that he interacts and tries to, he tries to reason, um, around death and grief and reason just doesn't hold up. What holds up is, what holds up is love and what holds up is tradition and what holds up is cultural mm. values. And so when people start trying to reason with his mother, who's this in her old age is absolutely adorable, um, uh, you know, diminutive actor, um, as, uh, who plays, uh, Lou's mother, uh, she, uh, very, very cute old lady. She's just formidable. She's just stuck. She doesn't want to leave her former husband's schoolhouse. She doesn't want any of the traditions not to be observed. And, and then when it does this, you know, in such a beautiful way, in a very classical way, it's black and white when the film opens up. And then when it opens to this mm. springtime, the warmth of Zhang Yimou's cinematography and framing is just stunning. And so to see this mm. beautiful tale of two people who encounter one another by chance, Zhang, uh, uh, Zhang Ziyi is the actual, uh, it's her first movie role ever. Now she's a monstrous yeah. star, um, but mm -hmm. it was her first role ever. And I just was completely swept up in this glorious tale of romance that was just so was about dedication. It was about being there. It was mm. about encountering one another and not wanting to let each other go and loving outside your station that has those cultural things as well that a lot of his films do. But I was just completely taken by that. And the, you know, the final, the finality of the film um, without sort of spoiling anything, just really, it comes back around to, you know, doing those things for your family and just being there. And as so mm. it was tremendously moving and beautifully acted and sweet and, straightforward and man it packed a punch like i was not expecting it to pack a punch but it was just so goddamn beautiful and i think it's one of the rare movies that truly you know does justice to those things that i feel like are the most uh true of when you know you've got family who are grieving and it's just being there it's being there and mm. doing what they need to and doing whatever it takes to get them through it and all those themes resonate so strongly like this movie was made 
Yeah. Now, like, you know, 20 odd years ago. 20 but, years ago. And it's just a still. You can tell by the Titanic poster you can see hanging up. There's one <laughs> I, room in there, this no, there's film two, there's that's two, two Titanic, Titanic posters hanging up in it. I was like, that's so adorable. It's <laughs> so adorable. Yeah. It's an undeniably beautiful film. Uh, I watched it today with my partner, and I might not have liked it quite as much as you, Blake, but my partner was so swept up in it, and she was just crying so much at different points throughout this movie. <laughs> so I think it is... We were both... An we were un- both <laughs> your two partners, me and her, were crying yeah. while we were watching this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think it actually has been one of the great pleasures of my film-watching life, going through the films of Zhang Yimou that Imprint has been putting out. Because yeah. I've seen a few before, but it was all these deeper felt ones that were outside of like the kind of wuxia-esque uh films that we kind of got more from here in the west if you're my age um of Zhang Yimou's filmography like Hero and House of Flying Daggers to go into the depths of like these emotional poetic films and these grand scale epics with human scale stories within them I think they're absolutely sublime they're absolutely sublime cinema and this one I think is such a worthy addition to your imprint collection especially if you really got into that box set to me that box set is maybe the best release i've ever got my hands on uh, <laughs> as far as like coll- a collection of films go um that is not just like a specific every film by this filmmaker they ever freaking made but like close to and a worthy collaboration i think that if you love that box set you're doing yourself a favor checking this one out too it's beautiful yeah, you have to put the if you if you're one of those again if you're not a lunatic like us who must have every imprint film, mm-hmm. you really want this one sitting beside your collaborations box set. It feels very essential to be there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, from from tears, uh, from tears of joy to swilling so much alcohol mm-hmm. and being completely Charles Bukowski esque from- belligerent. <laughs> <laughs> From tears to beers, here we go. We're talking by <laughs> fly. <laughs> You're the damnedest barfly I've ever seen. You act like some weird blue blood, like royalty. You know, somebody laid down this rule that everybody's got to do something. They got to be something. Nobody's ever loved me yet. Empty bottle. Downtrodden Mm. rider Henry and distressed goddess Wanda aren't exactly husband and wife. They're wedded to their bar stools, but they, like each other's company and Barfly, captures their giddy gin-soaked attempts to make a go of life on the skids. Lex, this is Barbet Schroeder's Bukowski semi-autobiographical Bukowski tale, starring Mickey Rourke and the incredible Faye Dunaway. Had you ever seen Barfly before from 1987? I had not seen Barfly before, but I was familiar with it because it was one of those DVDs I remember so vividly at 
the video store I worked at as a teenager. And you know, when you're a teenager, especially living in the inner city um, with artistic intentions, <laughs> uh, as many of my peers were as well, Bukowski started coming around a bit. People yeah. were reading Bukowski. People were getting into that kind of um, on the edge of society, beat Nick, uh, style of writing uh of like the 50s and 60s so bukowski was present and i remember seeing this cover and like seeing mickey rourke who i think is one of the freaking coolest guys ever <laughs> looking like an absolute darrow uh soaked in alcohol <laughs> with his floppy hair and his like little dangling burnt to the end durry his cigarette dangling out of his mouth and it's been like man that looks like a cool movie that looks freaking <laughs> cool so i've had this idea in my head of what barfly was for at almost over 10 years now what i thought it would be and it defied every expectation i had of this movie because i've never really got into bukowski i've had this idea of who he is never got into it and then seeing this cover i was like okay so this is going to be gritty with a capital g-r-i-t-t-y <laughs> and this is going to be like a kind of soaked in alcoholic melodramatic but also in kind of the realm of neorealism is what i thought it would be like i thought this would be like a heart-wringing tale of the streets and stuff it's a freaking comedy it's <laughs> it's funny i couldn't believe it like it's it's a comedy it's closer to cheers than anything i described and i really enjoyed it it's like if cheers was set in a dive bar at the dead end of town with deadbeat people and, and, and woody harrelson was played by frank blast. stallone like yes <laughs> oh my god when frank stallone popped up within the first three I seconds of this it. movie I knew. I knew that i was in a world that i was gonna really enjoy and i had so much fun watching this uh, i i really dug this i couldn't believe how much it defied my expectations mickey rourke is doing this weird comedic uh interpretation of bukowski and he's doing he's doing an interpretation of bukowski in his later years when he wrote this film and when he was like studying Bukowski, he looked at the older Bukowski and there's something about it that's quite funny to see Mickey Rourke, the, one of the most handsome movie stars that ever was, playing this deadbeat and playing like an 80 year old deadbeat instead of like, you know, a guy in his thirties that's like into alcohol and about to break it big in the artistic scene. I found it really charming and Faye Dunaway, oh my God, love her. Loved this performance from her. Loved it. Loved how gin-soaked they both were. But she's got this streak that I loved. She anchors the whole film. Faye Dunaway's performance mm. just, like, anchors the film because her gin-soaked desperation doesn't ever feel like it's got an end. And I think mm. Barfly does a great job. It doesn't, like, it sort of does bury the lead a bit because it's not like we see that he's this artistic genius to be introduced to him or in really any of the first encounters that happen in the film you see him just being a deadbeat and fight, mm. fighting and, and and farting and running around and um there was an absolute stunning uh documentary by the ross brothers bill and turner in 2020 called bloody nose empty pockets Lex, did you see bloody nose empty oh, pockets i have it on blu-ray and it's it, i think it's one of the most the one of the best things i've ever seen because it's like a, it feels like an observational documentary but it's like not real it's like no no it's it's, it's not a documentary it's not completely documentary it's partly fictionalized and honestly mm. when you see 
the patrons at the bar in Barfly, I was like, this is mm. Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. This is, they all yeah. have the most interesting, wonderful faces. The movie is very funny. I want to shout out because it's a terrific one. It, it comes in, just getting back to the actual release, comes in one of the gorgeous uh, box sets, you know, hardcover, mm-hmm. two disc collectibles that we've seen with lots of things. It's got a beautiful painted cover, um, uh, painted cover art on the front. I love that cover. I love that cover. It's stunning. And it comes with not only Barfly, which we'll get to the special features more deeply on shortly, but it comes with the Charles Bukowski tapes, which is Barbe Schroeder's produced and directed documentary. It's over four hours long. It's talking to him mm. and all of his words. And so um, I haven't got a chance to watch that yet, but I want to dive into this special features really quickly because there's another actor we haven't mentioned yet besides Frank Stallone, of course. Uh, Alice Krieger is in this film. She kind of plays a publisher who's, you know, from the upper class uh, part of LA who gets a private investigator to hunt down um, Henry to find this guy because he submitted a short story and it was beautiful and it was amazing and it was unique and they go to find him and he's just living this absolute beatnik life going from bar to bar store to store drink to drink opportunity to opportunity love of his life to the next one and he's going through and she is wonderful in this and there is a terrific Mm. interview with her called high society about her entire experience on the film which had a great anecdote lex i'm not sure if you got a chance to watch it which was that there's a movie with richard Gere called king david where Alice Krieger in her early career had to play alongside him and she had to play Bathsheba. So she has, she's bathed naked in the movie with Richard Gere. And Mm. apparently Mickey Rourke was like, yeah, hi. uh." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good old dirtbag. I've not seen King David, but I've been researching it recently for a little essay I wrote in an upcoming (gasps) imprint films box set where I talk about a Richard Gere film that is in there. Oh my golly goodness. We'll have to talk more about that one next month, but very mm-hmm. good. Frank Stallone fighting Mickey Rourke's stunt loved double. Loved it. Love it. Oh, loved it. And I love the Frank Stallone interview that's on this disc. Yeah. That is from now. They recorded it this yeah. year. Alex talking Reeves to Frank too, Stallone yeah. about Barfly. I love that interview. It was so freaking interesting and so fun. As someone that's a bit of a Frank Stallone obsessive, um, I loved how, dare I say it, Frank he was in the interview. <laughs> well, everyone who's listening now, you know what's playing under here. It's Frank Stallone's Take You Back is going to play us out in this uh, epic uh, first batch of these imprint films. Barfly, absolutely terrific. Very funny. Very, very well made and very small mm. and, and just the kind of right size. It doesn't get, it doesn't go into squalor. It has its fun, its elevation. It has these crazy cameos from like character actors playing uh, paramedics. Yeah. It's spectacular. It's spectacular. So yeah, it's this is, cool, man. This it's is a banger. So an absolute cool. banger. Um, well, Lex. And I th- think I would say Blake, after talking about it, I love it even more. Like I, I really enjoyed it while watching it, but after just talking about it, I'm like, this movie's a freaking scream. I, I'm probably going to chuck it on again and I will watch that four-hour doc. And I might even read the book or two. And I might have a beer or ten. I might try to change my life. Oh, well, look, any repertory theaters out there listening, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, and Barfly, mm. double feature, get it wow. going. Get it going. What a oh, ripper double feature that would, that would be. so sick. Knock I would love to give a shout out, up. since we're talking about bloody, bloody Nose Empty Pockets, I actually purchased it 
um, because it's quite rare now. I purchased it from our friends at Dead End DVD. I don't think it's there anymore, but I purchased it from there. I think I bought, obviously, I bought the last copy, uh, but that was, uh, there are very many few treasures out there on that site, uh, and they're local Australian uh, distributors. There's a few treasures on there at all times that you would be crazy not to be searching. I'm going to go into their Instagram DMs and see if I can r- rustle up that, because I've, I've got a digital copy, but that was only because I... I'd heard about it from our great friend. Brother, Kate. I'll tell you this, no way. I reckon I bought the last one in the country. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see if I can suss it out. No, because uh, Bill Ross actually came on Miami Vice, a Miami Nice show, um, because he and Turner, one of their first jobs was cutting the Miami Vice trailer in 2006. Wow. So wow. That, that had a wild experience uh, seeing, you know, Michael Mann's filmmaking firsthand, which is really crazy. But... That's I guess, so sick. I guess when you're talking a batch that has, you know, if we're talking about new batch heads out there, Desu Azala, Road Home, Barfly, and what we're going to talk about up next with Blue Chips, it might be batch-worthy because I would say Dozu is a 100% purchase. For me, the Road Home absolutely yeah. is. It knocked my socks off. And Barfly is great. And not only is it great, it's a great package, great collection. Yes, it's, yes. It's really, really terrific. I, I would agree. I would say Dozu Azala, Buy it. I can see this one being sold out very quickly because it has probably been on a lot of collectors around the world's list and it's an import worthy one, finally on its classic film that I think people will really go after. Barfly, it's a popular cult title. Barfly is going to fly off. Our mentions, when we started both Instagramming and tweeting about it, the two ones in this batch that mm. everyone went off about were Barfly and Dozo yeah. So, like, if you need, if you can only yeah. afford two, you're being a bit tight with your cash, totally understandable. Yeah. Take those two. They are must purchases. If you have the collaborations mm-hmm. box set next up, I would say if you have the collaborations box set, do yourself a favor. Another Zhang Yimou, The Road Home is really special. It's a really special one. And I would say, I know that Barfly is one of the more premium price point titles because it is that box with the two films in there. Um, I do worry that could sell out. If you're into it, it might be worth to snap up, but it also is one of those ones where if there's a sale at JB High for something 20% off here or there, chuck it in the cart. It's pretty freaking sick. (laughs) All right. That is it for the first episode of the september batch of imprint companion i've been blake howard if you're listening to this on an imprint companion feed you can also jump over and listen on one heat minute productions where we have our shows miami nice um we've also got uh, a, a a couple of exciting projects coming up i'm just now really getting my hands dirty with podcaster and commander uh, uh which Wonderful. is ga- which is going to be our next uh mini series that's coming out so working through that got some other exciting stuff coming up but we've got some great shows on there so check out everything that is going on over there some great bonus stuff from our one heat minute patreon mm. so after it lives on our patreon for a few months um our patrons are kind enough for me to let it loose on the main feed and we've had some amazing conversations pop up there so check that out too yeah some very cool stuff lex you're up to your knees, up to your ears in Finding mm-hmm. Jesus, which is going yes. gangbusters on the Grasshouse YouTube. Congratulations, mm-hmm. firstly, my brother. So Thank you, good. my friend. Thank so you. So good. You. I am the biggest fan. I'm harassing Lex constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm like a drug addict waiting for these new mm-hmm. apps of Finding Jesus. I love it so much. 
I tell you what, it is crazy because Blake does message me often. Do you have any more finding Jesus for me? <laughs> it feels insane for me to start ignoring one of my best friends and go, listen, I'm just going to leave him on the red for a bit. Got to torture him because sometimes <laughs> the answer is going to be no. I can't give him the episodes, but they're coming out every Monday, Grouse House YouTube channel. It's a comedy documentary hybrid where Cameron, James and I are on the case of one of the internet's greatest unsolved mysteries, a video game about Kanye West that may have been used as a recruitment tool for a new age cult. Um, so check it out. I, I'm so proud of it. It's awesome. The first three episodes should be out by the time this episode's out. Um, so get on it. That's half of the series out. And then 40, you can watch the rest as it unfolds. About 45 minutes, 50 minutes worth of great mm -hmm. content there for you to absolutely binge. Yeah. Unlike some of us have had to wait every week for it to come. So, you know, like um, yes. check absolutely check it out. Really great stuff. And, uh, and, I'm, I, I'm just dying for more of it. So we are going to catch you on another episode very soon. We're doing this special episode talking exclusively blue chips. We're also going to be talking to the great Bilga Abiri, film critic for uh, uh, formerly of uh, The Village Voice, but now writes for New York Magazine and Vulture, one of the world's best mm -hmm. film critics who has... Ever heard of it? Yeah, I have. <laughs> he's a great, uh, great commentary track coming up on Blue Chip, so he's going to talk to us all about it. But we'll catch you another imprint companion very soon. Make sure you keep the heads of your VHS players clean. Yeah, and out of people ain't got a crime shame.